certainly good to see you today in the house of the Lord, and especially our, our team challenge ladies. They, uh, they just, I just said, well, go, Lord, I don't know why we can't just maybe have them all the time on Sunday morning. Amen. You know, God does like for his house to be full. And uh, he said, go out and compel them to come in that my house may be full. And it seems to me in my ministry, in my life, that uh, when the house is full, uh, the, the, the Lord is more pleased and his spirit works and moves uh, more. And uh, God is so good to us. Uh, they sang a song, uh, first song they sang, Victory in Jesus. And um, that's a... That's the first song I heard after I got saved because I didn't get saved in the church. I got saved at my mother-in-law's house and, and got to church that Sunday and that's the first song they sang was Victory in Jesus. And I'd heard it before because my mother always made me go to church. But I'll tell you, it, it had a different meaning to it. When you when you've been born again and you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then I'll tell you, it, it, it tells us that we do have victory in Jesus. And that's kind of what I'm going to preach on today. Uh, I want you to know that uh, we're not losers, we're winners. And sometimes I think we forget that, especially when we're going through a trial and a problem and temptations and different things that come our way. And let me tell you something. You're going to have them. Amen. Life will not be perfect. In fact, uh, when you get saved and give your heart to Jesus, you become a target for Satan and his demonic powers. But uh, thank God there is victory in Jesus Christ. And we are not losers, but we are winners in him. And I hope I can... Uh, wake us all up to that this morning. Second uh, Corinthians two and fourteen. I've got a lot of scriptures I'm going to use. I didn't use them all, but uh, the Apostle Paul, who no doubt in my mind in studying the scriptures, went through more things, maybe as much as all the rest of them put together. I mean, he really, he really suffered some persecution, not to say that Peter didn't and James and John and different ones they did, but Paul kind of took the lead of uh, being persecuted and tried by not only the devil, but his people, the Jews, because he was such an advocate for, for, uh, for the Jews and he ended up being an advocate for Jesus Christ, and they didn't like that, and so they focused on him quite a bit. And I don't know many people uh, in my lifetime that probably could put up and go through what the Apostle Paul went through. So what I'm saying to you is that these scriptures that I'm going to read to you, and most of them is from, from Paul, he was a man that didn't just hear about it. He was a man that went through it. He experienced these things, and so uh, when his writings, uh, when it comes to things of this order, uh, has a greater meaning to me. I don't know about you, but it has a greater meaning to me that, that when people go through things and they suffer things, you know, and we see it all the time, we, can, we go up to people and, uh, you know, we, we, we try to sympathize with them. But if you haven't been through it, 
If you hadn't walked that road before, then all you can do is give sympathy. And so, uh, but, but Paul, he went through a lot of things, and I hope I won't uh, be too late. I, somebody fainted last Sunday because I let them out so early. <laughs> they really didn't, but they almost did. <laughs> they kept saying, that clock is wrong. <laughs> but uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't wrong. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Now, thanks be unto God. Now, I want you to listen to these words, which always, always causes us to be triumphant in Christ and maketh manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. I don't care where you're at. I don't care what you're going through. We are a triumphant people in Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? amen? Doesn't matter what you're facing today, and no doubt there's people facing things today. Uh, it don't end. I'll be 75 next Saturday, and it started on day one that I got saved, and it hadn't stopped. Come on. And so what we have to learn to do is do what the Bible tells us in order to handle the devil because he's already got them. He don't spend as much time on this world as you think he does. He spends most of his time on God's people and on the church trying to get us to give up and walk away. And if he can get us to do that, then he can go back to God and make an acquisition to God. Come on. The Bible says he accuses us daily. He's always accusing you and I of something. But thank God God handled that at Calvary through the grace of God because you will fail God. Come on. You're going to do things that you didn't think you'd probably ever do, but you'll do them. But thank God for the grace of God that's in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen to that? Praise the Lord. He said we are troubled, 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. He never will leave you or forsake you, no matter what you're going through, even if it's your fault. Hello? I hate to tell you, sometimes we're the one that open the door to the devil. Sometimes he kicks the door down, but sometimes we also open the door to him. Persecuted but not forsaken, cast down but not destroyed. As I said, Paul was a man that suffered so many things. He made a list. I don't know whether he was halfway through his life when he made the list. I don't know whether it was the end, but this is what he said. Five times, he said, five times I received 39 stripes on my back. Now, let me tell you about those 30. I think Dr. K talked to us last one, one Wednesday night, but that, that whip that they used had on the end of it a cat of nine tails, they called it. It was, a, it, was a, it was a whip, but at the end of it, it had leather, and it had embedded rock, embedded uh, stones, glass, whatever they could put in there to cut your back. And so... He had 39 stripes. And if every one of those cattails hit him five times, every, every one of them hit him, had up 1,755 cuts across his back. Now, I'm not perfect in math, but I tried to do it twice, okay? 
Besides that, three times he was beaten with rods. One time he was stoned and left for dead. Anybody been stoned yet? Hang on. It may get here. He was shipwrecked and he spent a day and a half, excuse me, a day and a night in the ocean. And that might not seem like too much to you, but get out there at night and don't know where the shark's at. He depended on God and he trusted in God. He said he was troubled in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of dangers, and in the, uh, of danger of robbers, people trying to rob him, perils of my own countrymen. Let me tell you something. Twice, 40 men took an oath and said they would not eat until they killed him. Now, how would you like to know somebody's out there? How'd you like to know there's one guy out there that'd make an oath that he's going to kill you? They had 40. He had 40. He had a, a God miraculously helped him to escape these things. Just like he'll help you to escape things because he loves you and he cares for you and he's got a job for you. Need to understand that. In weirdness, in painfulness, in watching, meaning no sleep, often hungry and thirsty. Sometimes it was through fasting. Uh, he's cold because he, got, he was cold at times because he didn't have proper clothing. Beside all these things, he said, that are without that which cometh on me daily, the care of all the churches. Now, you, you, I pastor one. He was over many. I, I, it, it, it just, I don't understand how he did it. I'm just telling you, he wrote epistles and he, he sometimes he'd make a journey back and he didn't hop in his new car and take off. He had to walk or ride a donkey or get a ship to go see to treat something out in the church. So he had all these problems in his life. But he went on to write in the book of Romans, he said, for what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Now you need to take these scriptures and hold them in your life today as I read them to you. Because I'm going to tell you, the devil is no match to God. You hear me? I know the archangel Lucifer wouldn't even debate him on anything because he is a powerful person. The devil is. He's like a roaring lion going to and fro on the earth seeking whom he might devour. But I'm going to tell you, I've got a high priest that's sitting at the right hand of the fire that victoriously defeated him in every single thing he did to him on earth. Come on, we have a victorious Christ. Hallelujah. When you get in trouble, that's who you turn to. If you're a little brother and you have a problem with a guy down the street, you don't go get a, another little brother. You get your big brother. Come on. And that's what you do with Jesus. In Romans 8, 35 and 39, he said, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulations or distress or persecutions or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? It is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. 
Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. What powerful words we have. Learn them and quote them to the devil. Every time Jesus defeated him on Mount Temptation, he defeated him with the word of God. Hide the word of God in your heart where you won't sin against God. Come on, that's what the Bible tells us. Learn it, memorize it. They've taken it out of our schools. A lot of scriptures that I know and I quote now, because I don't remember last week, and I do remember 45 years ago. You think that's funny or you just wait? <laughs> I start saying that right such so a but she ain't there yet. <laughs> but I'll tell you, God loves us and God cares for us. Paul went preaching the gospel, doing everything was right, healing the sick. What happened to him? Got thrown into the Philippian jailhouse. Now, come on. Have you done things right and you've been living, you've been praying, you've been doing everything that you say you're going to do and you've been doing real good and all of a sudden you find yourself in a jailhouse? I'm not talking about a literal jailhouse. What do we do? Let me tell you what we do. We say, God, what's happening here? I've been living for you and I've been doing for you. Huh? Don't we do that? Thank you for not lying. Because <laughs> it happens to us. Paul never would have went to jail if hadn't went around there preaching. If he hadn't obeyed God, I'd tell you somewhere else he wouldn't have went. Heaven. See, he focused on the real true things, the eternal things. They threw him in jail. Let me read it to you. It's only a few scriptures. And he said, while he was in jail, and they had beat his back again, and at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundation of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loose, and the keeper of the prison awakened out of his sleep, seeing the prison doors open, drew out his sword, and would have killed himself, supposing the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and, and, and brought them out and said, Sirs, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Let me tell you, when you're having your tribulation and your trial, sometimes you're going through things, people are watching you. They're going to see if your talk is good as your walk. And when you walk, it gives them confidence. This is what happened here. And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved in thy house. Man, it's so easy to get saved. 
That's the easiest thing. He made it so easy. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I had a wonderful opportunity to witness to a guy yesterday. I passed him up, start off with him, and the Lord got on me and had to turn around and go back because I was heading somewhere else. And uh, when I got down there, he was he he was been hitchhiking. He had a a bag that probably weighed two hundred pounds and other things, carrying his water in a bucket about like this. And so I asked him if he would like to go get him something to eat, and we did. He wouldn't let you buy him very much, but but he gave me an opportunity on the way back because where he was sitting, they were supposed to come and pick him up. I said, are you, he told me he was 65 years old, and I said, are you a Christian? Well, I, I, I ain't never been baptized, and I said, well, baptism don't save you. And uh, he said, well, I was raised in church, and I said, but that's not it. I said, what's it is you give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he was very, nice and I didn't see him do anything and so about an hour or two later I thought well I'm going to go back and check on him no I didn't think it the Lord did so I went back and he was still there and he's trying to get to Gondersville so I told him put your stuff in my truck and we'll go to Gondersville and he said no my niece is coming she'll be here in about 20 minutes and so I talked to him again I said you need to remember now what I talked to you about you said you were 65. Now, I might be young to me, but it ain't really young. And I said, you need to make sure you give your heart to Jesus and you live for him. And he thanked me and all like that. And that's all I could do and that's all you can do is just witness and tell people. Paul said in 2 Timothy 1, 11 through 12, Wherefore I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, for thee which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he's able to keep me, come on, able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. We need to keep our confidence in God regardless what we're going through. We have things, we suffer things we go through, I thank God. I thank God for the Apostle Paul. I thank God for every pastor I've had. But I, I told a guy this morning, I, he was getting ready up at the Baptist church to fix it up where everybody can park. And I wasn't no cars behind me, so I just stopped and talked to him for a few minutes, and I commended him. He was out there about 7.30. Some of you hadn't even turned over. And I said, I want to commend you because most people think a church is run by pastors. But I'm here to tell you it's not. It's run by the helps. And you need to understand that. I know sometimes you might not want to go to the nursery. I never want to go to the nursery until <laughs> church is over. I had rather pastor than be in the nursery. And that's true. But somebody has to keep the nursery. Somebody has to teach her children. Somebody has to do these things. Yes, 
and you might not agree with me, but if you are faithful to those things that God's called you to do, your reward will be just as great as any preacher you may run into. He rewards us according to our works. Now, I don't know why I said that, but probably get me lost here. I don't even know where I'll be. But nevertheless, it's important. It's important that this guy got up, went, got things ready where they could park. People keeping the doors of our church and, and greeting people. All these things are important. And we need to understand that sometimes we, we'd rather be in the church house. And I understand that. Uh, I understand that sometimes you don't, I ain't never changed a diaper in my life. <laughs> Since Jonathan ain't here, I'll tell you one time he had a, a he had a bad accident that it run down his leg and <laughs> into his shoe. And my wife had gone to the drugstore. So I take him up and set him in the bathtub and turn the water on. <laughs> Shoes, clothes, and all. And waited on my wife to get here. Okay? There's some things that some people can do that other people can't do. And I'm glad that some of y'all do things I don't have to do. Amen? <laughs> Paul said, I know whom I believe. And I am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And God is able to keep. I'm going to turn some pages. Satan does everything that he possibly can to hinder us from living for Jesus. And it's not only us living for Jesus, but it's for winning souls to other people. We have an obligation to tell people about Christ. What's wrong with the church today? We have limited ourselves to these four walls. And if you'll study the New Testament, they hardly ever were in the four walls. And thousands were giving their heart to Jesus Christ We've got to get it out of these four walls. Paul tells us there's no weapon that can be, that, that, that the devil has could prosper against it. Let me tell you something. The devil don't have that guarantee. We do. we got some things that we can use on him as little as prayer. You want to get him out of your life? And you go to bed and he starts bothering you and bringing up things, you know what to do? Start praying. Pray out loud where he can hear it. Come on. I'm telling you, prayer is one of the greatest weapons we have to defeat Satan. Can you say amen to that? See, most of our attacks are mental. Some are physical, okay? But some or most are mental. If we fail God in any way, Satan's right there to accuse us of not being saved or some of the other nonsense he'll say. But listen to what Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 says. Finally, my brethren, 
I like that word finally. Us preachers use it quite a bit when we're preaching. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, not in me, not in you, but in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his night. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And that word wild means the methods of the devil. He has methods that he uses against each and one of them. Some of his methods won't work on me, and they'll work on you. Some methods won't work on you, but they'll work on me. And that's what he tries to do, bring those methods that he has to bring us down. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual weakness in high places. And I could tell you, whatever one of those mean, but the bottom line is that Satan has a kingdom. And it was organized before you and I were born. Hello? He knows what he's doing. We don't always know what we're doing. But I tell you, there's one that does. And we need to put it in his hands and trust him. Wherefore, take on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in that evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore having your loins girded about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Have your feet shod with the preparation of gospel peace. What's he talking about? He's talking about witnessing, taking the gospel out to people. Sometimes we may have one thing in our life and not have the other thing in our life. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always in all prayer and supplications in the spirit and watch therefore with all perseverance and supplications for all saints. Wow, that means just don't pray for yourself. I tell Sister Smith this sometimes. Sometimes I'll be hurting and aching and I get to praying for myself and this thing like the Holy Spirit says, what about Brother Smith? He hurts all the time. So I changed my prayer life over. I start praying for him and praying for other people. I'm telling you, that's part of it. We can't be selfish in our prayer life. It can't be all about us and what's going wrong in our life and you know, I want all of my children to be saved. You want all your children. We ought to be praying for one another's families that, that God will save them. Hello? No, it's just not about ourselves, and that's what Paul's trying to tell us. Then, of course, there's one more factor that gives us power over Satan. It's who we are and who we belong to. We are the children of God. We are the sons and daughters of God. We've been bought with a price, not with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of the Son of God. Galatians 4, 6, and 7. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant but a son, and of a son, then we are heir with God through Jesus Christ. Do you know what that means? I wish I was kin to President Trump. Not because he's president, but I wish I was kin to him because he's worth billions. 
And I think about him sitting on it up there sometimes and how many churches I could build if he'll just give me a little bit of it and how many missionaries we could send out if we just had a little bit of it. Come on. But we are heirs with God, so therefore we have it all. Hello? We have it all. It's all ours. We're no more servants but sons, and if a son, then we're heir with God through Jesus Christ. Paul wrote to the Philippians that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. You know why they hate us so bad? You know why? Because, see, they're walking in darkness, and when you get around them and you get to talking, the light comes out. They, don't, they see you, but they see their self. And they don't, they, don't, they don't like that. They don't like what they're seeing. But we are the light of the world. And we need to let our light shine. One more, two more scriptures. Behold, 1 John 3, 1 and 2. Listen to this. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we are called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. When John wrote that, he hadn't been called up into the third heavens. He hadn't seen Jesus yet. Book of Revelations was the last book written probably and was for him for sure. Then he saw Jesus and the glory. Go home and get your Bible. Look. That's where you're going to appear one day. The glory of God's going to be in your life. Come on. When we go through that thousand year millennial reign, and there's natural people on the earth during that time that come out of the tribulation period. Brother, when they see you, it'd be like the day if an angel appeared right here in front of us. Come on. Because we are like, we will be like God himself. We will be as Jesus is. I want you to think about that. In a thousand years, we will be making the decision. Not the Democrats, not the Republicans, but the Christians. Come on. We'll be making the decision what goes on in this world. We don't have to worry. There'll be children born. They won't have to worry about what the world's going to be like. Come on. Because the King of kings, the Lord of lords, be sitting on the throne, on David's throne in Jerusalem. Hallelujah. And we'll be living with him. Praise God. People will be bound to you. Well, I don't believe that. Well, you better read the book of Revelation. There's two places. I remember one of them in the 19th chapter, I think it is, where it says the angel came and John started to bow, bow down to him. Hey, don't do that. I'm one of the prophets. Another place he said, when he started doing it, he said, don't do that. I'm putting it in my words. Don't do that because I'm, I'm one of your brethren. Hello? You're talking about being glorified. I'm talking about 
they'll recognize you if you knew them. There's no doubt about that. But I'm telling you, we will not be the off-scouring of the world any longer. We will be what God has made us through Jesus Christ. And we will rule and reign on this earth, not only during the millennial reign, but also on the new earth. Hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful? 2 Corinthians 2.14, Now thanks be unto God, which always calls us to triumph in Christ and make manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. In order to be a winner, it has to be battles. I'm not preaching to you today that everything's going to be wonderful. I'm telling you, when we get to heaven, everything will be wonderful. I'm not telling you that you won't get sick. I know a lot of philosophy about sickness. I've heard it. The next thing you know, they're in the hospital. Hello? You're going to get sick because it's out there. We're living in a diseased world. And we have natural bodies. But thank God for the stripes on Jesus' back makes a difference between us and the world. I've seen many miracles. I've seen God heal many people. Don't ask me why he don't heal everybody. I don't know. The only thing I do know, it ain't his fault. There are conditions to receiving the things of God. Stand with me if you will. Uh-oh, don't have no fainting spell. It's 1225, I mean 1125, 35, whatever it is. You may be here today and you may be going through some things. You may have some problems, some trials. If you do, I want you to come up here because there's one thing I didn't mention. That's the prayers of the church. Those who are your brothers and sisters in Christ who gather around you and pray for you. If any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. There's more sickness than just physical sickness. Sometimes there are mental battles in our life. Depression sets in from time to time. How many of you ever been depressed? Raise your hand. Be honest. All of us have. But I'm telling you, he takes care of that too. He gives us the spirit of life. He tells us not to worry, to cast our cares on him. We're going to take about five minutes. So I don't think it takes God all day to do everything. It might take a preacher all day to preach, but it don't take God long, okay? But what I'm trying to say to you, if you got a need in your life, you got some problems, I want y'all to pray for Joe Smith. Excuse me, Joe Stewart. She lost her dad. And she's become very depressed over that. I talked to her. She said, I'm not mad at God. I'm not mad at the church. It's just, she said, I just can't talk to people. 
She said, I'll be back at church. She needs our prayers. I'd like for somebody to come in, just step, step up here for her right now, if you'll just come. Thank you, Bethany. If there's others, you fighting battles, you got problems. This was not the message I planned on preaching, I'll be honest with you. This is what I, what I was led to do. So if you got needs today, you got problems, why don't you come on up? You can take them back with you, or you can leave them here at the church. You can leave them at the altar. You know what the altar is? It's a place to die. It's a place to let the things in the world bothering you die. Thank God. I know these young ladies is fighting battles that I never have fought. And I probably fought battles they never have fought. But God loves them. And He cares for them. And He's got them right where He wants them. Amen. Jesus is our deliverer. Any others? Give you time. Now I can understand you sitting back after it was 12 o'clock. I know the mindset of men. But you'll be able to walk out of here before 12 o'clock unless Jesus visits us in a way that we don't want to be. That's possible. you. All you that don't have any problems. Everything's going well with y'all. I'm going to ask you to come up. Gather around these. somebody's house and prayed how many times that he laid hands on people but that's not what qualifies him what qualifies him is the stripes on Jesus' back 